morning. Let us start with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father God, I just want to commit every person in this service to you. I ask for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our midst, a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon our lives. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit who inspired your written word will give us understanding of your word that at the end of this service that we will respond to your word and respond to your Holy Spirit. I ask that your Holy Spirit will come and have your way in our midst, that the name of Jesus will be glorified over and over again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to start with a question, a very easy question. Even non-Christians may get two out of it, two out of three, right? Do you know what the three great events are for Christians? December is Christmas. March, April is Easter. Today is Pentecost. Pentecost. Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus and the beginning of his ministry of redemption on this earth. And Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus and his victory over sin and death. Most Christians could not imagine having a year go by without celebrating Christmas and Easter. Whether they are new Christians or Christians for many years, they know that these are two great events for the Christians. If I were to announce that PCC is not going to celebrate Christmas or Easter anymore, you would feel that something is missing, right? Imagine not singing songs like Silent Night, Holy Night or Christ the Lord is Risen and some of you will quickly leave for another church. Christmas and Easter are two great events that help us to understand the meaning of our Christian faith. However, there is a third great event that is just as important to help us to understand what being a Christian means. And this third event is called Pentecost Sunday, and it is today. Most Christians do not celebrate Pentecost. Many have never heard of it, and some do not know much of it. Even if PCC did not announce that today is Pentecost or preach about the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, I think none of you would miss it, unlike Easter or Christmas. None of you would have realized it. In fact, I was told that last year, Pentecost Sunday just passed by quietly and the church did not do anything and did not preach about the Holy Spirit at all. And nobody realized it, that we didn't celebrate Pentecost Sunday. So why is Pentecost so important? In the Old Testament, Pentecost was also called the Feast of Weeks. Now, one week is how many days? Seven days. Seven times seven is how many? Forty-nine. And the Feast of Weeks was held on the 50th day after the Feast of First Fruits. The word Pentecost in Greek means 50. So by the time of the New Testament, the Feast of Weeks was more commonly called Pentecost. Pentecost. For the Jews, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost was a joyful time to celebrate the end of the grain harvest. And they will come with thanksgiving to God for a good harvest to the temple in Jerusalem. And Pentecost was one of the big three festivals in the Jewish calendar, along with Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
And these are three, are three great festivals where every Jewish meal was commanded to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. So Jews from many nations around the world, they were gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate this important festival. That's why if you read through the book of Acts chapter 2, you will find that there were Jews from 15 different nations who were present on the day of Pentecost. Now, the story of Pentecost is found in Acts chapter 2. Let's all read together Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts chapter 1 tells us that there were 120 disciples of Jesus who were gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem. Now, after Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension, they were gathered in the upper room because Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem until they had received the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, there was the sound of a violent rushing wind that filled the house. Then there was the visible sign of tongues of fire resting on all 120 of them. At this point, the Holy Spirit filled them and they began to speak in tongues. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 said, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Pastor Isaac preached on last week. Today, the title of my message is Pentecost, Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. After this event in Acts 2, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost has taken on a whole new meaning for Christians. Jesus Christ was crucified on the evening before Passover. The Passover is a picture of the death of Jesus as the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world, who died on the cross for our sin. The Feast of First Fruits pictures Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead on Easter Sunday and was seen as the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead. And for Christians, Pentecost comes 50 days after Easter Sunday and celebrates the great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon His people. Pentecost also marks the birthday of the Christian church by the power of the Holy Spirit when Peter preached a message and 3,000 souls were saved. Acts 2.41 tells us, the day ended with 3,000 people accepting Jesus and being baptised. Can you imagine it if we have 3,000 baptisms here on one day? Imagine what the water will look like after the last person is baptised. Someone said this is what would have happened if the day of Pentecost took place in today's world of technology. The hashtag crazyjesusfollowers starts trending. The video clip of the wind and fire and speaking in tongues will have gone viral around the world. Those who missed the event will complain that 9 o'clock in the morning is way too early and why was there no live streaming? The apostles signed a book DVD deal called How to Add 3,000 People to Your Church in One Day. 
and PCC will buy one copy. <laughs> Historically, Pentecost will not be repeated, but personally and experientially, it can be and it must be repeated because this is what Peter said in Acts 2, verses 38 to 39. Peter was replying to, to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for whom the Lord our God will call. Peter said the promise is for you and your children. Not just for you, and, but for your children. So everything that the infilling with the Holy Spirit accomplished in the hearts of the believers on the day of Pentecost is available to us today. This promise is for you and your children. For us today, there has not been any change in the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit in today's world. Now, when we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it tells us that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit on that first New Testament day of Pentecost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Then we read in Acts 4.31, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And what happened? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Who are these people in Acts 4.31? To know the answer, just go a few verses backwards to verses 23 to 24. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. That means they went back to the fellowship of disciples, to the church, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. These were the same Spirit-filled believers in Acts chapter 2. They were already filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Why were they filled again with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4, which probably took place about a few weeks later? Pentecost is not a one-time experience. It is not a once-and-for-all experience. Pentecost is not a style of church service or worship. It is not a denomination or a movement. Pentecost is not a once-a-year celebration of a powerful event that took place 2,000 years ago. Today, we are celebrating Pentecost, the fact that the coming of the Holy Spirit is a daily event in the life of the Christian and of the church. Some Christians make the mistake of thinking that one experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit is enough. No matter how powerful or how life-changing your first experience of being filled with the Spirit was, one experience is not enough. What we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the initial experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But we can be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again, as we will see in the book of Acts. Look at some of these examples. The first example is Peter. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. However, the Bible tells us that he is filled again with the Spirit and he is arrested and brought before the Jewish rulers and questioned. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 8 tells us, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. The Holy Spirit came upon Peter. The Holy Spirit empowered him to boldly proclaim the gospel to the very people, the very men who had arrested and crucified Jesus a few weeks earlier. The Jewish rulers told Peter and John, Stop preaching and threaten them with violence. Peter and John returned to the church to report all that had taken place. And the believers prayed together, and Acts 4.31 tells us this, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. These were all believers who had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Peter was already filled twice, but here in answer to prayer, God filled them with the Holy Spirit again. The next example is Paul. Paul was persecuting the church when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He was struck blind, led into Damascus, and waited three days. Then God sent a Christian named Ananias to pray for him. And this is what happened in Acts 9 verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and, and be what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God healed him. He regained his sight. When Ananias laid hands on him, God filled him with the Holy Spirit. Saul is baptized in the Holy Spirit and he began to boldly speak in the name of Jesus. Chapter 9, verse 20 to 22 tells us, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul began his ministry. Now, 14 years later, Saul, who is now named Paul, on his first missionary journey, he and Barnabas are on the island of Cyprus. The governor wants to hear the gospel, but a sorcerer named Elimas opposed them. And this is what happened in chapter 13, verse 9 to 11. But Elimas, the sorcerer, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Paul was already filled with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of his ministry. But here, while sharing the gospel with a ruler and while facing a strong opposition, Paul is filled again with the Holy Spirit. He is empowered by the Holy Spirit to rebuild with boldness Elimas the sorcerer. God enabled him to pronounce a judgment on Elimas. Also, while on this first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas brought the gospel to a town called Antioch, Pisidia. And many people believed, but an angry mob chased them out of town. 
However, in the face of this persecution, this is what happened. Acts 13 verses 49 to 52. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. But the leaders, Jewish leaders, incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the desires and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The disciples in Antioch, Pisidia, are filled with the Holy Spirit and this enabled them to endure persecution, to go through persecution, even as they continued to witness the grace of God. Another person is Stephen. Acts chapter 6 tells us that the apostles wanted to choose men full of the Spirit and wisdom to oversee the distribution of food to widows. They wanted to make sure that the different racial and cultural groups were treated fairly. So verse 3 tells us, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And Acts 6.5 tells us, This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also the other men that were mentioned there. Verse 5 tells us that Stephen, who was one of those chosen, was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Later, later on, Stephen was arrested. He was tried. He was executed by the Jewish leaders. And as he was dying, here is what happened. Acts 7 verses 55 to 56. But Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, looked up in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is being stoned to death, a terrible way to die, and yet he is still full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit enabled him to have a vision, a vision of Jesus in, at, in heaven. And Acts 7 verses 59 to 60 tells us, While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, meaning he died. Okay, not he fell asleep. Huh? Okay. Even in this horrible moment, while he was being stoned to death, Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. He's able to forgive those who stoned him to death. God gave him a vision that enabled him to just go into heaven, to just pass away like that. And these believers who have already been filled with the Holy Spirit are being filled again and again. This is all that is mentioned in the book of Acts. But there have been countless times that they are filled again that are not mentioned. They are being filled with the Holy Spirit in times of need. When they are sharing the gospel, when they are serving God, when they are facing persecutions for Jesus, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is our initial feeling. But after you are filled for the first time, we all need to be filled again and again. The feeling of the Spirit can be repeated and it needs to be maintained. And that is why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 
chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Paul reminds Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that was in him, the gift that he first received when Paul laid hands on him. Acts 1.4 tells us, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of God. So Paul is referring to the gift of the Holy Spirit that Timothy received when he was first baptized in the Holy Spirit. And once he had received the Spirit's fire, Timothy was responsible for keeping it burning himself. Paul tells Timothy, stir up, rekindle, fan into flame the Holy Spirit's fire. A fire that is started must be stirred, must be fed, or the fire will eventually go out. Timothy is to continually seek God, ask to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit's fire. In another letter to the Ephesians, Paul gave this command to be filled with the Spirit. But before we look at that verse, look at Acts chapter 19. Acts 19 tells us when, that when Paul reached Ephesus, the very first question he asked the disciples he found there, not non-Christians, but the disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on, came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Verse 6 tells us that when Paul laid his hands on these believers, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, and they even received the gift of prophecy. Now, seven years later, after the Ephesian Christians were first filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church. It is addressed to those, in verse 1, to those who are saints, who are in Ephesus, and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing to Christians like you and me, who are trying to live our lives for Jesus. The Ephesian Christians are commanded to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Let's all read this verse out aloud. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The key word here is the verb, be filled. Be filled. Now, this letter to the Ephesians was originally written in Greek, not in English. And the Greek language is a wonderfully rich language. And this one word translated be filled has four dimensions to it that are clearly seen in the construction of this Greek word. And these four dimensions are very important for us to understand this verse be filled with the Spirit very clearly. First, it is a command. It is a command. Be filled is in the imperative mode. Paul's statement, be filled, is a command. It is not a suggestion. It is not optional. He did not say, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He did not say, it would be so nice to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
The command before that, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, is very straightforward. All of you understand this command, right? It simply means that if any one of you is planning to get out of this service as quick as you can so that you can go and get drunk, do not do it. The command is that simple, do not get drunk. But at the same time, if you are planning on getting out of this service the minute it was over, when you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, do not do it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we are going to close the door, lock the door, until you are all filled with the Holy Spirit, then only you can go off. It is a command here for Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we see it is a plural command. Be filled is a second person plural verb in the Greek, which means all of you, all of you. Who was Paul addressing when he wrote this letter to the Ephesians? If you read the whole of Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, Paul is addressing wives, husbands, children and parents. Paul is telling every Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not reserved for some special class of super Christians. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, Peter quoted the promise of God through the prophet Joel. Peter said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, on all flesh, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. God intends and God desires that all of his children be filled with the Holy Spirit, from the children to the youth to the young adults to the adults to the senior adults. The late Billy Graham wrote this in his book, The Holy Spirit. Our desperate need is not a new organization or a new movement or a new method. We have enough of this. I believe that the greatest need is that men and women who profess the name of Jesus Christ be filled with the Spirit. I am convinced that to be filled with the Spirit is not an option but a necessity. It is indispensable for the abundant life and for fruitful service. The spirit-filled life is not abnormal. It is the normal Christian life. Anything less is subnormal. It is less than what God wants and provides for His children. Therefore, to be filled with the spirit should never be thought of as an unusual or unique experience for or known by only a select few. It is intended by all, for all, needed by all, available to all. Billy Graham passed away last year at the age of 99. Listen to the wise words of this man of God with very rich spiritual experiences. All of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The third thing we see here is this verb, be filled, is in the present tense. Present tense. The Greek present tense has the idea of continual action. It is something that goes on and on. Paul is saying to all Christians, it ought to be our desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It is not one grand experience that we achieve and then that is it. 
but it is a continuous succession of experiences. In the Greek language here, Paul is saying, be filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I first received the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the year 1984. When I first became a Christian, my sister and I were looking for a church to attend. And we saw a PCC handbill in our letterbox, which stated that PCC has a Sunday morning service and a Sunday evening charismatic service. At that time, we don't understand what charismatic means. We just know there's an evening service. And that time, PCC was meeting at Bagan Joma, and it was very near my home, so it was very convenient for us to walk over. Now, my mother knew I have just became a Christian, and she thought that church service is only held on Sunday morning. So every Sunday morning, to prevent me from going to church, she will give me housework to do, so I cannot go to church, I will miss church. But she didn't know that church service can be held at night, just like our Saturday services. The first service I attended in PCC was the Sunday evening charismatic service. And during the praise and worship, when the people started singing and speaking in tongues, there were questions in my mind. The whole service I was trying to figure out, are they speaking in French, German, Italian, Spanish? Are these people in a trance? I look around, but they look normal. Am I in a cult group? Well, we left the service and I did not tell my sister about the doubts and questions in my mind. I was thinking we should look for a church with a proper church building with a cross on top. That is a proper church. So the next evening, while waiting to go out with my family, actually I took out my Bible and just flicked around. And then the title, Gifts of Prophecy and Tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, caught my eye. I began to read it and then I came to understand from that uh, chapter that what I heard in the charismatic service is called speaking in tongues. And a few days later, I met a Christian friend who is from a mainline denomination church. She found out that I just became a Christian and she asked me which church I'm attending. I told her PCC and the church is, don't have a building, we are meeting in the Penang Chinese Girls School Union Hall. She told me she has never heard of PCC before. I shared with her about the charismatic service I attended and then she told me, our church don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is of the devil. Have any one of you ever heard that? I was only a two weeks old Christian then. I knew she has been a Christian for many years. She was many years older than me. And the church she is attending is meeting in a proper church building with a cross on top. So to me, being a very new Christian, whatever she tells me should be correct. So that statement, speaking in tongues is of the devil, stuck in my mind for quite some time. After all, Christians don't lie, right? Then a few days later, I attended a Thursday night Bible study in one of the church nearby. After Bible study, a man manifested. At that time, I didn't know the word manifested. He was wriggling on the floor like a snake. He was making noise like an elephant. I have never seen a demon-possessed man. And I didn't know it was a manifestation. I thought it was a performance after the service. So we draw near to watch what is going on. Then one of the Christians there came and chased us away. And he said, 
If you are new Christians, go away, go away, otherwise the demon will jump into you. And that scared me. Coupled with the word speaking in tongues is of the devil. I kept it in my heart. But we continued to attend PCC, and this time we started to attend the Sunday morning services. And the church was very small at that time. Pastor Rong and the church members were like a family. But I never seek to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't want to speak the devil's language. I don't want a demon to jump into me. So it was more than a year later after my salvation that Pastor Philip Son, who was the young adult pastor at that time, he did a seminar called The Holy Spirit and You. The Holy Spirit and You. And the teachings gave me a very clear understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the verse that really speaks to me is from Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Any one of you fathers will do that? No, right? You are all good fathers, right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I came to realize that God will not give me an evil spirit if I ask Him for the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the three-day seminar, when the altar call was given, I responded very quickly. Pastor Philip prayed for me and immediately I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues. There was no dramatic crying or shaking or fire falling upon me. The Holy Spirit just filled me and transformed me from being a very timid person to have boldness to serve in the ministry. And ever since that day, I have received countless refilling of the Holy Spirit. If not for the filling of the Holy Spirit again and again, and the power of the Holy Spirit, I would not have lasted in the ministry. It is being filled with the Holy Spirit again and again that empowered me to serve God in the ministry for 30 over years. We need an ongoing, fresh filling with the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our ministry. A one-time experience is not enough. Yesterday's infilling is not enough. Be filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing we notice about this verse is, it is in the passive voice. Be filled is in the passive voice. Now, in Greek as in English commands, verbs can either be active or passive. If it is in the active, it is what you do. Example, go to the shop and buy some milk. That is an active command, go. If I say, fill the empty bottle with water, that is also in the active voice. But this phrase, be filled, is in the passive form, meaning that we do not do it, but it is what is being done to us. Paul did not say, fill yourself with the Spirit. But he said, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled means that the filling of the Spirit is a work of God and not of man. It is not the believer who does the filling, but it is God himself. Since this is in the passive voice imperative, it should be translated, allow to be filled. 
We do not fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. We make ourselves available to His filling. If you look at all these four great dimensions to this word, the phrase can be translated in this way. All of you keep on allowing yourselves to be filled with the Spirit. How do we allow ourselves to be filled? How do we allow ourselves to be filled? Well, uh, something here is not a durian. Only the senior pastor can bring a durian into the service, <laughs> like last week. Pastor Ray Preacher describes how we are to fill with the Spirit. I have a jar here. Now, if I want to fill this jar up, I need to do two things. What must I do? Common sense, what must I do? I must open the jar and then I must empty it. Right? I must open the jar and I must empty it. Now, empty the jar. You cannot fill a jar that is already full. If the jar is already full of something else, you cannot fill what is already full. And some Christians are so full of other things in their lives, they have no room for the Holy Spirit. Then you need to open the jar. You cannot fill a jar that is not open. And even if the jar is empty, but the cover is screwed on tight, you cannot fill that jar. You need to open it. And some Christians have simply closed their heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, just like what I did in the beginning of my Christian life. So we need two things. We need emptiness and we need openness. There must be a sense of need. Lord, I'm empty and I need to be filled by your Holy Spirit. There must be a willingness. Lord, I'm open to you. Let your Spirit fill me now. The feeling of the Spirit is really as simple as that. We must remove any barriers, any barriers that's in us that do a right relationship with God. We must come hungry and thirsty, empty, hungry and thirsty for more, and we will be filled. As long as we are conscious of our need, and as long as we are willing to surrender to the Lord, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit because God's power of the Holy Spirit is available to us every day and every minute. Pastor Ray Pritchard also said this, when your need to be filled with the Spirit becomes your great desire, you will be filled. When your need to be filled with the Spirit becomes your great desire, you will be filled over and over again. What does it mean when we are filled with the Spirit? It is what happens when the Holy Spirit has the controlling interest in your life. Look at the contrast between wine and spirit in this verse. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Now, drunken and spirit-filled people have one thing in common. They are both controlled people. Their lives and their behaviour are radically changed by that which fills them. And the issue here is influence and control. If a man is filled with anger, then anger controls his life. And sometimes the anger is even seen in his actions, in violent actions. If a man is filled with love, then love influences all he does. If a man is filled with alcohol, then alcohol controls and influences his words and even his behaviour and his actions. 
To be filled by the Spirit is to come under the control of the Spirit, to be influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about you getting more of the Spirit. It is about the Holy Spirit getting more I mean, more of you. In other words, the question is not how much of the Holy Spirit do we have, but the question is how much of us does the Holy Spirit possess? It means how much are we willing to surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit? Are there areas in our life that we keep from the Holy Spirit? One day, Reverend Dwight L. Moody was to preach at a revival meeting in England. And one pastor protested, why do we need this Mr. Moody? He is uneducated. He is inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? Another wiser preacher responded, No, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. If there's one thing we all need, it is for the Holy Spirit of God to have a monopoly in our lives. The more the Holy Spirit gets control of our hearts and our mind, the more joy we will experience and the more we will be able to accomplish for God. Being filled with the Spirit does not happen all at once, any more than you get drunk all at once. Being filled with the Spirit happens as you continually to choose to be filled with the Spirit, to live under His control and to live under His influence. Why would I want to be filled again with the Holy Spirit? Let's us look at the purpose for the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 verse 8. Let's read this verse together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the purpose for which God has filled us with the Holy Spirit, that we might be God's witnesses. Now, believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel. And if you read through the whole book of Acts, you will find that 26 times in the book of Acts, we read these words. They spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. We are not filled with the Holy Spirit for our own enjoyment or for our own glorification. We are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim the marvellous good news of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will never force us to be witness for Christ, but He will empower our witness when we do it. Every true Christian should want to tell others about Jesus and the Holy Spirit gave us the power to do so. If we obey the command of Jesus, God will confirm His word with the power of the Holy Spirit and those who need Jesus will be enabled to find Him. I want us to go back to Acts chapter 4 to look at why Peter and John and the disciples were filled again with the Holy Spirit. Why did they pray that prayer? Acts chapter 4 took place several weeks after the day of Pentecost when all the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And Peter and John went around boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. They were arrested. They were thrown into jail. After being threatened by the Jewish authorities and released, they returned to the fellowship of believers where they experienced a very powerful prayer meeting. And Acts 4 verses 23 to 24 and 29 to 31 tells us this. 
On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, that means the fellowship of believers, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The refilling of these spirit-filled believers came as they prayed to God for more, more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit's power, more bold preaching, more bold sharing of the word of God, more healing, more miracles, signs and wonders, all in Jesus' name. If the disciples had been contented to rest in their first initial Holy Spirit feeling on the day of Pentecost, they would not have asked for more of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power. And they would not have received it because James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Jesus tells us in John 14 verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than this because I'm going to the Father. How and why can we do greater works than what Jesus did? Jesus answered in verses 16 to 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, to help you and he will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus said he's going to the Father. His Father will give us the Holy Spirit. And one result of receiving the Holy Spirit baptism is the empowerment to do His works, especially the enablement of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said here, Believers, you will do the works I do, and you will do even greater works. Well, the believers in the book of Acts did those works. The early church believers in the book of Acts healed the sick, cast out demons, and they even raised the dead. The disciples had already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But they understood their need to continuously stay full of the Holy Spirit in order that they can effectively preach the Word of God confirmed by the supernatural spiritual gifts. We need to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit in order to do God's works. Healing room ministry cannot operate without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon the volunteers. The HRM team needs to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. That is why every HRM session, the volunteers will come at 6.30pm for an hour of soaking in God's presence and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. It is the power of the Holy Spirit who fills us, who enables us to exercise the spiritual gifts to serve, to bring God's healing to those who are sick. The intercessors exercise the spiritual gift of word of knowledge, whereby the Holy Spirit will reveal the underlying root causes of the patient's sickness. 
After each HRM session, we will have a debriefing. And many times, the ministry team will tell the intercessors, their word of knowledge is so, in Hokkien, so chun, meaning that it is so accurate and so untargeted. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit that revealed that word of knowledge. The ministry team will exercise other gifts, spiritual gifts of wisdom to pray for the sick, healing, spiritual gift of faith, working of miracles to minister effectively to those who are sick. And sometimes they also exercise the gift of discernment of spirit to deliver those who are possessed by evil spirits. Quite frequently, we will do deliverance in HRM. You will hear people screaming as the evil spirit went out of them. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to cast out demons and set people free. In the last HRM, a lady came to be prayed for her leg. Now, when we look at her file, the last time she came was three years ago in 2016. By God's divine arrangement, she was assigned to one of the rooms where the team leader was the one who prayed for her three years ago. Immediately, she saw the team leader. She recognized her. She asked the team leader, can I give you a hug? Then she told the team leader, three years ago, you prayed for me in HRM. Now I am completely healed. She said that three years ago, she had several sicknesses on her body. The doctor told her that she cannot be treated. And the doctor has given up hope on her. So she came to HRM to be prayed for. After she went back, she was healed completely. There was no reason for her to come back to HRM, so we did not know that she was healed completely. And she only came back in the last HRM because she had some pain on her legs. Now, it is because she came back that we heard of her testimony. There have been also countless of testimonies of people healed, delivered, safe in HRM, some of which we hear, some of which we don't hear of it. And none of us could do anything without the Holy Spirit. We cannot be effective in this life without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If each one of us is going to live an effective godly life in this ungodly world, we have to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. If we are going to reignite the Spirit's fire and make a difference in the lives of our family and in the lives of our community, we need to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. I want to conclude with this story. There is a little old country church just outside of a town in Indiana. In that village lived an old man who was an atheist. He was not a bad man. He just didn't believe in Jesus. He was not interested in the church at all because nothing seems to happen in the church. Nothing much was really going on in the church. It was not making an impact at all in the community. Nobody even didn't make much impact. So one day, the church building caught fire. The church people came running from all around towards the church to help put out the fire. And from just down the road, these old atheists came running towards the church very fast. Well, one of the church members noticed him running so fast and called out, Hey, I've never seen you at this church before. This is the first time we have seen you running to church. The 80s replied, This church has never been on fire before. This is the first time I've ever seen this church on fire. Church, this is my prayer. 
that our church PCC will be on fire. Not the fire on the building, okay? Otherwise, you all will run away instead of running towards the altar. But I'm talking about you and me, that we will be on fire, that we will have the fire of the Holy Spirit to fill us, to reignite our passion, to rekindle our love for God, to refresh us to live for Jesus and to serve Him. Are you ready to be set on fire by the Holy Spirit? Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to reignite your heart with a passion for the lost? Are you ready to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes? Then we are going to sing a song. I would like to invite the worship team to come back. We are going to sing a song, and as we sing this song, I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit and to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life this day. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to just come forward to be prayed for, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even if you are already filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, just come and respond to the Holy Spirit. Come and respond to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to rekindle our love for Jesus, to fill us with a fresh anointing to serve Him, to reignite the passion in us to be God's witnesses, to stir up in us a hunger and thirst for more of the Holy Spirit. Just come and respond to the Holy Spirit as we sing this song and tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need more of you in my life. I need you to just fill me with a fresh anointing, with a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit because yesterday's infilling is not enough. Yesterday's infilling will not satisfy us. So just come and respond to the Holy Spirit as we stand and sing this song. 